If you have your Bible, turn with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. I've been having some computer problems back there at the desk, and so I don't have my slide up for this morning. But if you were with us last week, you know we started this new series called Bless that a good handful of churches across our city are preaching through these days. And last week was just a a reminder that Jesus Christ has sent us out into the world. Into the world that where the fields are white for harvest. And we're just go out with a sense of expectation and a desire to be a blessing to others. Eighteen years ago, May 2000 in Memphis, Tennessee, at the Passion Conference, 40,000 college students from all over the country gathered on a big old field, Shelby Farms in Memphis, Tennessee. And a number of different pastors and leaders got to address those thousands and thousands of students. One of them was Pastor John Piper. A couple years ago, I showed a little video from Piper's talk, that don't waste your life talk, and the whole idea of seashells, some of you all will remember that. I'm not going to read that part, but I do want to read the part that was leading up to that incredible seashells illustration. Here's what Piper said. But we are driven to the same bloody place also by the question of a single passion, The Bible pushes us in this direction. For example, the Apostle Paul said that his life and ministry were riveted on a single aim. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That is astonishing. When you think of all the varied things Paul did, in fact, talk about. There must be a sense in which Jesus Christ and Him crucified is the ground and sum of everything else he says. He is pushing us to see our lives with a single focus and for the cross of Christ to be that focus. You don't have to know a lot of things for your life to make a lasting difference in the world. But you do have to know a few great things that matter, perhaps just one, and then be willing to live for them and die for them. The people that make a durable difference in the world are not the people who have mastered many things but who have been mastered by one great thing. If you want your life to count, if you want the ripple effect of the pebbles you drop to become waves that reach the ends of the earth and roll on into eternity, you don't have to have a high IQ. You don't have to have good looks or riches or come from a fine family or a fine school. Instead, you have to know a few great, majestic, unchanging, obvious, simple, glorious things or one great all-embracing thing, and be set on fire by them. You may not be sure that you want your life to make a difference. Maybe you don't care very much whether you make a lasting difference for the sake of something great. You just want people to like you. If people would just like being around you, you'd be satisfied. Or if you could just have a good job with a good wife or husband and a couple of good kids, and a nice car, and long weekends, and a few good friends, a fun retirement, and a quick and easy death, and no hell, if you could have all of that, even without God, you would be satisfied. 
That is a tragedy in the making. As I thought about this particular sermon, as we begin really, bless. My assumption is that all of us want our lives to count for something great. My assumption is that we want our life to make a durable difference in the world. I want mine to. I want my life to count for eternal things. And I'm sure that you do as well. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. It seems to me that if you and I want us to have a life that makes a difference, a durable difference, an eternal difference, a life that counts for that which is eternal, and that which is glorious, Christ and His Gospel, then what we need, and know what I need, is some help. A simple tool to help me live a life that makes a difference for the cause of Christ. That's what this blessed strategy is. It's meant to be an easy, natural set of missional practices that you and I can implement in our life for the sake of the glory of God and for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ, no matter who we are, no matter our IQ, no matter what school we come from, no matter our looks, no matter how much money we have or supposed influence in the world. A set of missional practices that each and every one of us can put into practice That'll help us. Bless. B-L-E-S-S. The first is begin with prayer. The second, listen with care. Then eat together, serve in love, and share your story. This morning, begin with prayer. Before we jump into that, it assumes, I think, that you and I make a list. If you look at lots of the evangelism training material that's out there, whether it's the blessed strategy or my circle training or whatever else it might be, every one, if, well, I can't say that because I hadn't looked at all of them, but they encourage God's people who want to live on mission with Jesus to make a list, to think about the men, women, and children in our lives that are far from God. Here at Redeemer, when we think about our strategy, the broadest level, some of you have heard me talk about it before, worship gatherings, discipleship groups, service teams, and mission circles. At the broadest level, that's our strategy of, of discipling us and equipping us for life lived for the glory of God and the good of others. A life joyfully followed Jesus and helping others do the same. Worship gatherings where we are right now. We come together and we worship God together and we hear from His Word together and we celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Next week, we're going to celebrate baptism together. 
And then discipleship groups, those smaller groups, whether it's a community group or men's group or women's group, whatever it might be, where you sit around in a circle, if you will, and you encourage one another and pray for one another, help one another. Service teams, where you take your giftedness and your abilities and you put them to use for the good of the church family and its mission here in our city. And then finally, mission circles. You've heard me talk about it. My circle, our circle, and the world. When we think about blessed, we're, we're thinking about my circle. My circle is where I live, work, play, and passion. It's where I live. It's where I work. It's where I play. Maybe it's the gym, or maybe it's your kid's team, and all of the adults that are a part of that. Or maybe it's a book club that you're a part of, or maybe it's a coffee shop that you frequent. And then passion. Some of you are passionate about things, and you're volunteering in the city, working with this group or with that group, and it puts you in contact with people far from God. That's your circle, where you live, work, play, and passion. Have you made a list of those far from God in your circle? Because where you live is no accident. Where you work is no accident. Where you play is no accident. What you're passionate about is no accident. We believe in a sovereign God. And that He's sent His people, you and me, into these places to let our light shine for the sake of Christ. The principle here, if there's one, is that lostness has a face. Lostness has a face. And lostness has a name. What are their names? And have you written them down? Begin with prayer. In Romans chapter 10, in chapters 9, 10, and 11 is a great section of Romans. And on the whole, the Apostle Paul is lamenting the fact that so many of his own people, the Jewish people, have failed to receive Jesus. In fact, they had rejected him and turned away from him. And this brought incredible pain into his heart. You can look at it just briefly in chapter 9, verse 1. I'm telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites. To whom belongs the adoption of sons and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the temple service and the promises? Whose are the fathers and from whom is the Christ according to the flesh who is over all God blessed forever? Amen. Paul, it pains him deep into his heart. Great sorrow, unceasing grief. Wishing that he himself could be accursed so that his countrymen might come to see that indeed Jesus is the Messiah and salvation is found in Him and Him alone. 
But it goes further than him simply having this sorrow and unceasing grief. In chapter 10, verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. Five simple missional practices. The first, begin with prayer. Having identified those far from God in your circle, begin with prayer. Quickly, three things you and I might pray for. First, pray for divine appointments. Now, I want to put this into my life more than I do now. This was in my preparations. I said, boy, that would be good. Dennis Rainey of Family Life defines a divine appointment as a meeting with another person that has been specifically and unmistakably ordered by God. The idea behind this is simply that you and I would wake up each morning and in our times of devotion, before we head out the door, that we would pray, God, use me to be a blessing to someone today. A blessing for your glory, a blessing for your gospel. God, I pray for divine appointments. Meetings with other people that have been specifically and unmistakably ordered by you. And second behind this is then you and I should go about our day assuming that whoever we talk to might indeed be a divine appointment. That God may well be at work in the folks we run into throughout the day. What this requires of us is a sense of, if you will, happy expectation. That we head out each and every day with a sense of expectation that God is at work out there and he's sending me out there. And he's orchestrating the events of my life in ways that I ought to be expectant. We know, Jesus said, that the Holy Spirit of God is at work in the world, convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. God has literally gone before us to do the work that you and I can't do. seems to me that if I would put this more into practice, and you as well, that life would become a much greater adventure than simply, oh, it's Monday. I got to go again. Oh, here we go again. But this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. God, I want to be a blessing today. Maybe you could orchestrate some divine appointments for me. So pray for divine appointments. Secondly, pray for yourself. We're beginning with prayer. Pray for divine appointments, then pray for yourself. A number of things we might pray for is compassion. Allah, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, 
And seeing the multitudes, he felt compassion for them. For they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. The famous application that everybody makes from Matthew 9.36 is that God would give us eyes to see as Jesus saw and hearts to feel as Jesus felt. Saw the multitudes dispirited, downcast, like sheep without a shepherd, and he felt compassion. We see Paul in Romans 9 following right after him. I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. God, pray for divine importance, and God, would you give me compassion? Would you give me eyes to see as you see and heart to feel as you feel for the lostness around me? Compassion. We might pray for open doors. The Apostle Paul asks for this kind of prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the Word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned. So Paul's praying for open doors. He's asking other Christians to pray for him for open doors. So... I think we have room to pray for ourselves. God, give me open doors, divine appointments, opportunities. Maybe it's not an opportunity to, to share the full-out gospel of Jesus, but maybe it's, it's an opportunity to have a meaningful conversation with someone, to get to know them a little bit better, not just surface stuff, but their hopes, their dreams. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week. Third thing you and I might pray for is boldness or courage. Paul again in Ephesians 6, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Literally, with all speech. To make known with all speech, not, not to hold anything back, but to be bold, to be courageous. And God may give opportunities, and then we might pray for clarity. Again in Colossians 4.2, that God will open up to us a door for the words so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Passion, open doors, boldness, clarity. In a word, just pray for yourself. Just pray for yourself. Lord, I know you have, you have sent me out. It's unmistakably clear. But I'm scared. Lord, I want to be a blessing. Would you... Maybe put together some divine appointments for me today. Lord, as you do, would you give me compassion? And as you open doors, would you give me courage? Help me be clear. Oh God, help me. You're praying for divine appointments, you're praying for yourself. Like all of us know 
this one. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians talked about his ministry and the fact that through the preaching of the gospel, he was an aroma of death to some and an aroma of life to some. That as he would proclaim the gospel, some would hear it, disbelieve it, reject it, and it would mean death for them. Others would hear it, and it would be glorious to them, and they would believe it, and it would lead to life. And in contemplating that, that he was the one who would that God had entrusted the gospel to him and, and, and he held it out there and some rejected it and some believed it. He said, who is sufficient for these things? None of us. None of us are, are sufficient. We don't have it in and of ourselves to be a people on mission with Jesus. And so we need prayer ourselves. So pray for divine appointments. Pray for yourself. Along with that, Philip Brooks, the great quote, don't pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your tasks. Did you catch that? Don't pray for tasks equal to your powers. Because our powers are about as big as that little something, whatever that is on the stage. That's our power, that little speck. So don't pray for tasks equal to that. Pray for powers equal to your tasks. Well, what's our task? Go, therefore, make disciples. Be a blessing to the world for Jesus' sake. Don't pray for powers or tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your task. Pray for yourself. God would help you. And then finally, obviously, pray for your friends who are far from God. Pray for that list of folks. I don't pray every day for my friends as I should, but I'm telling you, since I've made a list of them, I pray for them far more often than I ever would have without a list. Steve and Heather, Drew and Christina, Heath and Patty. Greg and Becky. Mark and Susie. I think they're all far from God. Pray that God would open their eyes to see Jesus in 2 Corinthians 4. Paul says, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Folks, the reason you came to know Jesus is because God acted a miracle in your life and he gave you eyes to see the glory of Jesus. Pray that he would act the same miracle in your friend's life, in your neighbor's life. God, would you give them eyes to see your glory, their sin, 
and that Jesus Christ is a great Savior. Pray that God would save them. Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. Paul prayed that God would bring salvation to his people. I pray that God would bring other believers into their lives. I think this is the implication of Jesus' words in John 13. The new commandment I give to you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That your friends, that your neighbors, that, your, that they would have an experience of not just one Christian, but more Christians. More Christians who love one another and they would see something in it that's just distinct. In Matthew 5, Jesus to his disciples, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And this light just, not merely that you would let your light shine, but you would be praying that God would bring other Christians into their life where the light of Christ might shine. Here's an application. And I hope to remember this throughout our series. Say, I can do that. I'm not going to make you say it, but in your head. Say, I can do that. You mean living on mission with Jesus? One of the, the key missional practices is that I would begin with prayer. I can do that. You don't mean I don't, I don't have to go sell everything and move to China to live on mission with Jesus? You mean I can simply begin with prayer? I can do that. Make your list. Begin with prayer. And then maybe in your community groups, in your relationships within this body of Christ, you might ask each other, did you have a chance to bless anyone this week? You know what, I, I didn't have a chance to have any, any conversations with anybody this week, but you know what, every day this week, I prayed for my lost friends. And that's something I haven't done in a really long time. Maybe as we move along, hey, do you have an opportunity to bless anybody this week? You know what I did? Not only did I pray, but God put together one of these divine appointments. I was out walking outside and there was my neighbor and he was outside and we began to talk and you know what God just was at work and, and we had a, a better conversation than we've ever had before didn't get a chance to share my story didn't get a chance to share the gospel but but it was really cool to connect with him and to listen with care we'll talk about that next week or hey do you have an opportunity to bless anybody this week you know what we did my wife and I we said, you know what? We've been praying for these friends. We've been praying for these neighbors. Let's have them over. We had them over for dessert, or we had them over for dinner. And it was just awesome. Let's eat together. Talk about that in a few weeks. Imagine if this would become a question. 
that we asked each other. Not only imagine if every one of us here at Redeemer would begin to live into these missional practices, but it became a part of the accountability that we ask one another. So begin with prayer. Samuel Chadwick's famous quote. The one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. He trembles when we pray. The one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. I know prayer can be a struggle for so many of us. But maybe God would do something great in us through this sermon today. Maybe God would ignite a small little fire in every one of our souls that every day we're going to pray for one of our lost friends. Every day we're going to pray for a lost neighbor. And that by God's grace, as we begin with prayer, things will open up before us. The divine appointments will open up in front of us and give us opportunity to listen with care, to eat together, to serve in love and to share our story in the gospel. Begin with prayer. Close with this. Bruce Wesley, pastor of Clear Creek Community Church down south of Houston. He said this, and it's kind of stuck with me because it stings on the front end and it's an aspiration on the back end. He said this, he said, religious people have preferences. Missional people have stories. Let me ask you, I ask myself, do you have any missional stories? Hey, how'd it go this week? Oh, man, y'all keep praying for my neighbor. Remember I told y'all, that? yeah, I remember. Man, we had them over for dinner last night. And we sat out on the back porch and we were visiting and it was just awesome. We had a greater conversation with them than we've ever had before. Wow, that's cool. That's a story. Hey, how's it going? Man, my neighbor the other day drove up in front of his pickup truck and he dropped, stopped right out in front. He said, hey, I need to talk to you. Okay, hey man, cool. Yeah, one of my good friends just passed away and I went to his service. And I think, I think it was at a church kind of like yours because the guy was up there and he was talking a lot about Jesus and it had me thinking, I want to talk to you. That's a story. Hey, man, how'd it go this week? Oh, man. Oh, man, let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what happened. 
do you and I have stories? Missional people have stories. Let's begin with prayer. Let's pray. Father, we prayed for it last week. Alluded to it just a minute ago and want to pray for it again right now. Ask you to do something great in us. My heart's desire, my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. My heart's desire, my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. My heart's desire, my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. Oh God, lead us to pray for the salvation of our friends, our neighbors, our relatives to begin with prayer my heart's desire and my prayer to God's for their salvation Lord would you so work in us so build us up in your truth that we would be a family a church family that prays for lostness Lord, we just want to trust and believe that as we will, as we do, that you will open up opportunities before us. God, would you use us? We who have been so blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, would you so use us to be a blessing to others? Who is sufficient for these things? Not us, but our sufficiency comes from God. Strengthen us, help us, equip us, empower us. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.